All right, let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. We praise you, God. We thank you for this day and what it means, God. We honor you and we love you and we appreciate you in Jesus' name. And let everybody say, all right, with your Bibles in your hands and repeating after me, would you just say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, Feed me your word. Come on, if you believe the Lord's going to feed you, go ahead and put your hands together this morning. Praise the Lamb of God. And so what we're going to do is we're using that video and that title is where we're going to actually start our message from. And our title is simply this, The King Has Come. The King Has Come. You know, in earlier in the year, around the middle of the year, we did a kingdom series and we begin to talk about what the kingdom was and what the kingdom meant. And we close it on Easter Sunday and we talked about the king arise and we talked about him being the seed that would arise. And so if I was to uh, do anything, I would add this as a bonus sermon to that series, the kingdom series. Because the king has come. Somebody say it again. The king has come. We're going to give us a definition of king. And it's going to make it make sense on why today would be an important time to uh, share it. And so the definition here is king, the male ruler of an independent state, especially one who inherits the position by right of birth. So when you are a king in a monarchy, if depending on your DNA, who you are, you are born a king. You, some people are made kings. Others are born king. Even in the England system, our sister country, they have people based on their birth they are known that they will be the king. And so I'm going to read it again. You don't have to put it up. I'll read it one more time before I move on. The male ruler of an independent state, especially one who inherits the position by right of birth. So that leads me to point number one. And point number one simply is this birth. And so when the king came, the king came through birth. When the kingdom came, the kingdom came through death, but the king came through birth. I'll say it again. The king came through birth and the kingdom came through death. And so the birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is 
the kingdom of God for us. And so it has implications. So that's why no matter when you celebrate his death or his birth, you're celebrating the king and the kingdom. You can do it on December and Easter if you want to. You can do it whatever you wake up if you want to. But either way, the king did come and the kingdom did come. The king came on birth and the kingdom came on death. And we wouldn't be here worshiping if it wasn't for the king's birth and the king's death. So however, whenever you want to worship it, go ahead and worship it. So sometimes I worship his death not just on Easter because I'm not just worshiping his death. I'm worshiping the fact that he died and he rose again. But he couldn't die and rise again if he was never born. So at some point, I got to be grateful for his birth. And if I want to wait till the 25th to celebrate his birth, it's fine. But if you catch me celebrating his birth on January 4th, don't look at me funny. I'm still glad that the king has Come. Just for for instance, I'm born July the 10th, so my birthday is on July the 10th. And I've had people give me a gift in August and say, I couldn't get it to you on your birthday, but I got it to you late. Guess what? I'm still happy. I, I, I still appreciate it. Because as long as you are celebrating the fact that I came in the earth, I'm still happy. And you might say, hey, I, Pastor, I never got you anything for your birthday. It, the year ain't over yet. I, I still take something because I'm glad somebody celebrates my birth. Same thing with Jesus. So let's go into the customary story of his birth. Let's look at Luke 2 and 1. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken to all the inhabited earth. All right, let's look at verse 3. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. So in that time when they took the census, you had to go back to the, uh, your uh, country or your city of origin in order to register. And so if you are living in Muncie, but you're actually from Evansville, you'd have to go back to register in Evansville in order for the census to be taken. So everyone were on their way. They were moving. It was a lot of traffic. Everyone was going back to register at the place of their birth. All right, let's look at verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee, mm -hmm. from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. So Joseph, who was living in the region of Galilee in a city called Nazareth, he left there with his uh, betrothed woman and they go to a place called Bethlehem. Why a place called Bethlehem? Well, that's where his family was. That's where his lineage was. So by law, he had to go to Bethlehem. So some people are confused. Is it Jesus from Nazareth? Yes, he is, but his father, his earthly father, was from Bethlehem. And because of the census, they had to go to Bethlehem. Let's look at verse 5. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. Oh, so both of them had to go. He had to take his 
espoused a woman with him. And he had to take her there, but she was with child. She was carrying something. And so they were going to Bethlehem not to have a baby. They were going to Bethlehem because by law they had to register for the census. But it just so happened that she was well with child. Let's look at verse 6. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. Well, just by happenstance, while they were there registering for what they needed to register for, it just so happened that the days were completed for her to have birth. And so, and for her to give forth. Now, what, what's is interesting, it seems a little haphazard of God to have Joseph need to do this by law the same time that Mary was with child, but not with just any child. The king of kings was living on the inside of her. So, so why didn't God orchestrate it a little different so she wouldn't be on a trip while she was with child? Now, I have, uh, uh, I have three children. I've seen my wife with all those children. I know at a certain point, in the process of the journey of being pregnant, you don't want to do a whole lot of moving. Going on a trip is not necessarily what you want to do, but this is what had to happen for whatever reason. God allowed it to be this way. And sometimes we wonder why God allows things because it seems like he could take us a much easier way. That leads me to point number two. So point number one was birth. Point number two is prophecy. See, there are some words that have been spoken. And many times the things that are happening in your life, they're actually lining up to the prophecy that is over your life. There are some things that have been spoken. And whether you know it or not, you got to fall in line with the words that's spoken over your life. And so I want to take us 700 years earlier in a uh, book called Micah in the close of the Old Testament. Malachi is the last of the Old Testament, but this was close to the closing of the Old Testament. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, there were some words that were spoken. Let's look at Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Read this. But you, O Bethlehem, Epatha, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. You, O Bethlehem, who actually is small, you're actually little, you're actually minuscule, you're, there's nothing really special about you. you, you, you you're like a Muncie, you're, you're, you're not the biggest in the state, you're, you're kind of small, you can be overlooked, but I'm actually going to bring something out of you. Now, 700 years ago, God spoke through the prophet Micah, Bethlehem, even though you're little, I'm going to do something, and I'm going to bring something great out of you, and it's going to be connected to the ancient of days, which means in the past, in the, in the, in the reaches of the mind of God, I got something planned, but many times God plans things in the little stuff, in the minuscule stuff. The Bible says this, don't despise the day 
of small beginnings. Because it looks small to you, but when God has his mind on you, and when God's word is spoken over you, no matter how small it is, no matter how trivial it is, and actually here's a word, we've used, especially in the black community, we've used it out of its real meaning and context, it's the word trifling. We use the word trifling as if you're nasty, but the actual trifle means something very small. But let me tell you something. God, before you were born, in the ancient of days, he looked at your trifling self and said, I'm going to bring something forth out of you. And so maybe your life doesn't seem like it's always lining up and you're going the long way around, but it may be because there's a prophecy spoken over your life and you can't do anything you want to do and feel comfortable because when God's word is over your life, even the little stuff has to become much when you place it in the master's hand. Let's look at verse three. I want to make it make sense just a little more. Verse 3. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. Now, 700 years earlier, there was a prophecy that said that it's really not going to happen. You're not going to see it until that one is ready to give birth. So this little Mary, who nobody knew about, the angel came and said, God has chosen you to bring his son, to bring his Messiah, to bring the Christos, the anointed one. And guess what Mary said? Mary, a young lady, and if you know anything about the, the time of them being married, they were married very young. It, the idea of the 40-year-old virgin, that was not the idea back in those days. They were betrothed very early, so people believed that Mary was somewhere around 15 or 16 years old. Well, in that day and age, at 13, you have your bar mitzvah, your coming out. So only a few years after that, here's an angel saying, you are going to carry the Messiah. Now, she's probably thinking, who am I? that I would carry the Son of God. But what I like about Mary, Mary said this. She said, be it unto me according to your word. I can't explain why you chose me. I can't explain why you fooled me. I can't explain why you delivered me. I can't explain why you got your hand on me. But God, if you said it, I want it. If you said I can turn around, I want to turn around. If you said I can be forgiven, I want to be forgiven. If you said, just like Sister Anisha, if you said I can be wealthy, I want to be wealthy. I'm going to believe it. Not because I understand it. I'm going to believe it because you said it, God. And not only did you say it, but you've actually had it worked out 700 years before I ever got here. And I say it all the time before your great-great-granddaddy got with your great-great-grandmama, God had a plan for your life. And I need you to understand even if you're little, even if you're small, even if you're jacked up, even if you're messed up, if God has his word spoken over your life, when things line up, it's going to line up. 
it didn't make a difference that Joseph had to go to Bethlehem. The reason why he had to go to Bethlehem had nothing to do with the census. But 700 years earlier, God said one day in Bethlehem, I'm about to bring forth my king. And I don't know what's happening in Muncie, Indiana. But God said one day in Muncie, Indiana, I'm about to bring something forth. Listen, they may be laughing at you now. They may be talking about you saying, look at you with your little business. Yo, oh, that's cute, your little business you got going on. You and your, your little degree, your little relationship. Baby, it may look little now, but what you don't know is God has prophesied over my life. God has spoken over me. And when I line up with prophecy, what looks little becomes huge. All right, let's, let's look at verse 4. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Hold on. Bethlehem, you are little. But what I'm bringing forth is about to be great. So that brings me up to point number three. Point number one was the birth. Point number two was the prophecy. Point number three is little but great. See, I, I, I may be little, but I'm great. My, my, my church may not seat 2,000, but I'm still great. My marriage may not be the best, but I'm still great. I may not be the smartest in the world, but I'm still great. I may have gone through hell and high water, but I'm still great. I'm not great because of me. I'm great because God spoke it over my life. And I stopped by here this Christmas Eve to tell you, you may be little, but I say you're great. You may be struggling, but I say you're great. You may have cried yourself to sleep, but I say you're still great. Why? Because the king has come. All right, let's, let's, let's move a little further. Let's look at Luke 2, 7. We're going to go back to the story. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, mm -hmm. and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, wait a second. He was, we were just told 700 years earlier that he was great. But even though he was great, there was no room for him in the inn. He was great, but he didn't come like a king would normally come. Now, whether you like Joe Biden or not, if he shows up in Muncie, he ain't going to show up in no manger. They're going to have a police escort. It's going to be on news. It's going to be on WLBC. It's somebody's going to know about it. Some of y'all who have to work, they'll give you time off your job because a dignitary is coming into the town. Way back when uh, Hillary and Obama, when they were running, both of them visited Muncie because they were campaigning. And when both of them came, even though neither one of them had won the presidency yet, they pulled out all the stops because somebody special was showing up. Now, I'm here to let you know that Jesus was the king. He was very special, but there was no room. Now, I wonder in this Christmas season with Christians, have you left in your room for the king? 
Oh, I got to do this. I got to cook this. I got to buy this. But have you left any room for the king? Because the world, and that's what no room in the end represents, the world never really has room for the king. And the reason why they don't have room for the king is because he always comes little. And he don't look like a king when he first comes. But when you have discernment and the spirit of prophecy, you know a king is around somewhere. Ah, that's why some of y'all, when you look at your children and your adult children, it looks like they're acting foolish, but something tells me there's a king in him. There's a king in her. I'm not going to give up. And that's why your marriage, your spouse gets on your nerves, but you stick with them because I believe there's a king in her. There's a king in him. That's why you can't throw the towel in on your business because there's a king in my business. There's a king in my creativity. There's a king in my ideas. It don't look like it, but something on the inside tells me there's a king somewhere. There's an old story about two boys, two twins, twin boys. One twin was an optimist. The other twin was a pessimist. And so the optimist always saw good things pessimists always saw bad things so their birthday came around the daddy was a farmer the daddy brought them out to the barn to go and see their gift they open up the barn doors and there's nothing but manure in there no gift no bowl no wrapping paper just a pile of poop and so the pessimist looked and said daddy always pulling this stuff on us I don't know why he would do this but the optimist was jumping up and down was excited and happy and the pessimist looked at the opposite at, at the optimist and said what is wrong with you it ain't nothing but a bunch of poop but the optimist said you don't understand with all this poop there's got to be a pony somewhere See, because he wanted a pony as a gift, and he looked at the manure and said, it can't just be the manure. It's got to be something better than this. And so he got excited anyhow. And some of y'all are just like the optimists. You go through poop in your life, but when you come into the house of God, you praise God anyhow. Because I know it's going to turn. I don't know when it's going to turn. I don't know how it's going to turn. But something down on the inside of me, let's know it ain't going to be like this forever. So I'm going to praise God ahead of time. I'm going to thank God ahead of time. I smell a king. No, you smell poop. No, I smell a king. The king is somewhere. I don't know how we're going to work it out. I don't know how we're going to fix it up. But I believe the king is somewhere. So I wonder, do you, when you look at all, and I could be more crass, but I won't. But when you look at all the crap in your life. When you look at all the crap you had to deal with in 2023, I wonder, can you still see the king somewhere? And let me tell you something, it won't happen overnight. It won't happen on the first night, the second night. It may not happen the first month, the second month, the third month. But baby, when you got God inside of you, you start seeing a glimmer of hope. I, I'm still crying, but not as long as I used to cry. I'm still hurting, but I'm hurting a little bit different. I'm still angry, but I'm not as angry as I was because somehow the king is working on my behalf. I, 
I don't know how he's going to get me out of it, but I trust him that he still knows what's best for my life. And since the king has come, he didn't come to leave the poop here. He came to make something out of it. Now, so as we're on this, I've told this story before, but let me say it again. So there were two neighbors and uh, one neighbor had a plant that she was working on. And the other neighbor had a plant she was working on. And so one neighbor was a little bit evil. And so what she would do is she would try to get a bunch of dirt and trash and throw it over to the other neighbor to kill out her plant. But what she didn't know that she was actually throwing fertilizer. She was throwing dirt and junk and crap over on the other side, but what she was doing, she was actually fertilizing the one. And so at some point, the neighbor who was getting dumped on began to sit back and realize, even though it looks bad, it feels bad, and it smells bad, I'm growing. Something's happening to me. Something's happening in me. So go ahead and throw your dirt, devil. Go ahead and throw your trouble, devil. Go ahead and throw your depression, devil. Throw your grief because I'm growing. I, I don't necessarily like the way I'm growing, but I'm growing. And at the end of the day, the one neighbor's flower and plant shot up and the other neighbors died and withered away and wow you got folk looking at you and laughing at you and can't wait to talk about you and gossip about you and can't wait to put your name in the rumor mirror what they don't know is they're growing you from the inside out and they're going to look up one day and they're going to look at you and realize you don't look like a plant you look like the king because the king is in you. Sometimes the king comes in strange ways. So here's point number four. You are the manger. But let me say it this way. You are the man. So humanity, both male and female, man, you are the manger because you are man. And man is never going to be totally saved, meaning the flesh part of man. But that's just the manger. And so the story of Jesus' birth is also the story of the gospel because the king was laid in a mangy manger with the animals, with the manure, with all the bleeding and the, 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 the moaning. If you've ever been on a farm, not only does it smell bad, bad but it's loud. Mm. How can a baby sleep like that? But it was wrapped in swollen clothes, laid in a manger. And here, I need you to understand the mess that's in your life. Yeah, the lust you got in you, the anger you got in you. Actually, in the word manger is the word anger. The anger you got in you, all the cussing and fussing you do, all the sexing you do, all the stuff you've done wrong. God don't care about that because he can still place the king 
inside your man or inside your manger. The story of the gospel is not that you got to be a five-star hotel for the king to come in. The story of the gospel is you can be stuck with the animals. You can be a feeding trough. That's what a manger is. It's a feeding trough. But when God gets ready to put the king inside of you, can't nothing stop you from coming forth and being everything God wants you to be. I was reminded of, and I decided not to go to the scripture, but I was reminded of the prophet Nathan who had to deal with King David when King David got off and he had messed with Bathsheba and then he had killed Bathsheba's husband and he was going on about his, his day as the king. And so the prophet Nathan came by and began to deal with him and he told him this parable and David got upset about the parable. Who would do something like that? And the prophet Nathan said, you are the man. Just like, go ahead and put point number four up again because you will see that in there. You are the man. So, even you with your saved self. Now, when you look around, some folk didn't have time to come to church on Christmas Eve. And you came to church, but that don't make you better because some of y'all still jacked up, including the man that got the microphone. And I'm learning as I go that I'm the man. I'm the man that messes up. I'm the man that sometimes falls short. If we heard the story that Sister Ruth the priest on last week, and she talked about us aiming, but one of her scriptures says, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't come to church because I'm so special. I come to church because I'm so broken. And I want God to put the king inside this broken vessel. Because I am the man that needs help. I am the man that needs deliverance. Even though I'm the pastor of Deliverance Temple, I'm the one who still needs deliverance. But I'm so grateful that I seen the king when he first came. He came in the manger. And if he can come in the manger, he can come in me. That leads me to point number five. And I want you to say this with me. Let him in. Say it again. Let him in. Say it again. Let him in. It does you no good to realize you are the man and you are the manger if you don't let him in. See, the, the rest of the world operates like the inn. There was no room in the inn. But you're not the inn. You're the manger. But some of us, even though we're the manger, we won't let him in. Now, he came from glory. He didn't have to leave glory, but he came from glory. He stepped down through 42 generations. He landed in a 15 or 16 year old virgin. He landed in a situation that was kind of funny because when Joseph found out she was pregnant, Joseph was like, I got to let her go. Because she over here talking about the Holy Spirit and put a baby in her. Forget her. It, it was kind of messy. Jesus came in drama. He came through all that drama and you still won't let him in? What is wrong with you? Somebody say it again. Let him in. Let him in. Now, now there, there, there's a story in Revelations uh, chapter 3. It's a story where Jesus is talking 
to the, uh, I believe it's the Laodicean church. Now, it's a church. So he was actually talking to church folk. And he makes this statement. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Which means Jesus has church folk. Or let me make it more uh, clear. Jesus has Christians that he can't even get inside. Standing on the outside of Christians saying, let me in. Will you let me in? Uh, Every now and then, um, because the shift that I work, sometimes my wife will lock the garage door. Normally, I come in through the garage, so I open the garage and I come in through that door. I don't come in through the front door. I'll come in through the garage door. But every now and then, that door has been locked. Now, here I am tired. All I want to do is step inside and sit down for a minute and I turn the door and I can't get into the house. I pay my mortgage. I'm paying the lights, the gas, the mortgage, And I can't even get inside. Now that particular door doesn't have a key. So I got to knock to get in. Now if it's uh, school time, people may be up. But if it's summertime, they might be asleep. And here I am upset, banging, trying to get in to my own house. I'm here to let you know you were created in the image of God. And God has gone through prophecy over 700 years to make you who you are. And just because you go through a rough time, you want to shut him out. But here God is saying, I need you to let me in. Let me in, let me in, let me in, let let me in, not just on Christmas morning, but I need you to let me in when 2024 rolls around. I need you to let me in beyond your New Year's resolution. I need you to let me in because I am the king and the king has come, but sometimes the king is stuck on the outside and can't get in. All right, let's, let's go to point number six. Now look at this. Look at the middle letters. In king is in. In. So even though he's king, it don't do you no good until the king gets in. So once again, we got to let the king in. The king has come, but can the king get in? Now, if I go to the Beyonce concert, If I go, you ain't going, but if I go, more than likely, I'm not going to get in her dressing room. Number one, Deborah going to stop me from trying to get that clothes. Number one. Number two, I don't have that kind of relationship. I don't have that level of connection to get that far in. But here's the thing, if the king of kings who created Beyonce and created Taylor Swift and created whoever you like or whoever thrills and moves you, who created all of that, if he wants to come into you, the best thing you ought to do is let the king on in. Now, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But when folk pray the prayer of salvation, guess what I do? I pray it too, just in case, because I want to keep letting the king in. I want him 
in. All right, so let's let's go to this verse here, Romans 8 and 10. A few more verses. And if Christ be in you. Be what? Be in you. Uh-huh. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Oh, wait, wait, wait a second. Some of the reason why some of the re- reason why you don't let him in is not because you're bad people. You don't let him in because you think you're so bad that he don't want to come in. Now, sometimes the reason why I don't want folk to come over my house and in my room because it's not presentable enough for you to come into my room. Because I may have some stuff moved around. Y'all don't want to see pastors draw. So stay downstairs. Don't come into my room. I don't want you in there. But we treat Jesus the same way. I, I love you, Jesus, but I don't want you to come in. Not because I don't like you, but I got some stuff in here that I'm worried about. But, but I want you to put the verse back up. It says, the, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. He ain't coming for your body anyway. He ain't tripping over your sin anyway. He coming to get in your spirit because your spirit is where he can pull righteousness out of you. And if he pulls a righteousness out of you, guess what? It will deal with the sin. I, I don't want to go all into this, but it's much like you see in the story of the temple. There was a... Uh, there was an outer court, there was an inner court, and then there was a holy of holies. See, in the outer court is where everybody gathered and where, where even the animals were and where they did the sacrifices. The inner court was worship, but the holy of the holies is where the presence of God is. So guess what? God is saying, I, I know you got some issues. I know you mess up and do some stuff that's not altogether lovely, but you still saved. But I ain't worried about your sin. I'm coming for your spirit. And if I get a hold of your spirit, I'll pull righteousness out of you. I know that to be true, Sister Trish, because there were times I didn't want to do right, and I did right anyhow. There's some folk I wanted to tell off. I had made up in my mind I was going to tell them clean off. And I wasn't going to do it in a Holy Ghost way. I was going to do it in a good way. But God changed me. Because when the God gets in your spirit, he knows how to con. He knows how to control you. Now, now my, my vehicle, uh, and all of us have dealt with that, if your vehicle gets out of alignment, and you take your hands off of the wheel, the vehicle will drift from one way to the other. But if you are in control of the vehicle, all you got to do is just touch the wheel. And straight, unless it's really, really jacked up, all you got to do is just control it. And so when the songwriter said, Jesus, take the wheel, they was being prophetic because when Jesus came in, he done took the wheel. I wanted to cut up, but Jesus got the wheel. I wanted to lie, but Jesus got the wheel. I didn't want to give my tithes, but Jesus got the wheel. Because when he stepped in and when Christ came in, Christ made a difference. Somebody say, the king has come. Oh, man, I feel like preaching, but I got to get this out of here. Let's go to the next verse. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This is why Jesus ain't worried about your body 
and the sin in your body because in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, when Jesus showed up, he showed up as God. And so when Jesus comes in, he bringing God with him. Some of y'all may not understand it, so let, 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 me, let me go backwards. And this ain't for everybody, just for just a few folk. There's some folk that you let in your house, and when they came in, they brought roaches with them. You, you, you didn't want it to happen, but you couldn't control it. They brought it with them, and then you had to deal with it after they left because they left them. But guess what? When Jesus steps in, he brought God with him. And I'm so glad I got God inside. Do you do everything right? No, I don't. But I got God in me. Because when I said yes to the king, and the king got in my manger, the king brought God with him. And guess what? I got God in me. And if God be for me, oh, yes, 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 who can be against me? Do I sometimes have lust in me? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes have anger in me? Yes, I do. But God has given Jesus a name that is above every name. So guess what? Lust has to bow to God inside of me. Anger has to bow to God inside of me. Foolishness has to bow to God inside of me. All I got to do is let the king in. All right, Colossians 2, 9 through 10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Hold, hold, hold on. You, we, you are complete what? In him. in him. So I was never supposed to be perfect in me. But I can't be perfect in him. Because I'm just the manger, but he's the king. So I'm complete in him. So don't worry about what you can't do. Be grateful for everything that God can do. And all I need to do is be in him and he in Oh, there you go. Y'all helping me preach. I'm going to have to give y'all the offering. Y'all helping me preach this morning. It's the king has come and I'm letting him in. So, uh, there's another verse for that. Verse 10. Complete in him. Come on. Go back. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. That's it. So, I, there was something I want to add. I don't want to take too long. You guys were right in the back. I was wrong. But that, I forgot there was something I want to add. So, above all principality and power, uh, I don't have liberty to tell the full story yet. Maybe the, the person will, will uh, give me liberty to do so. But I got a call. It was, it was this week. It was Monday. Monday evening. I got a call. As somebody I have been talking to who have been dealing with something with the family, and they were like, Pastor Andre, need your help. He said, I'm going to put you on speakerphone. He puts me on speakerphone, and I can literally hear demons manifesting. I can hear them growling, talking about what they were going to do to this person's loved one. And they got back on the phone with me, and they say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? I'm thinking, I don't know what to do either. But before that thought came out of my mind, something rose up in me. And I began to walk them through deliverance. And they would go and do it, and then they would get back on the phone and say, what do we do now? And one of the things that God told me to tell them, he said, tell that demon it does not have authority. 
The demon was literally talking, saying, I'm about to kill him. And was growling. I mean, I, I could feel the presence of the enemy. But something rose up in me. I said, tell that demon he don't have authority. They left the phone and went and said, you do not have authority. And then they said, he's throwing up. Because once he was told he don't have authority, he had to let go. Here's the thing about it. The demons will try to come, but if you know who the king is, at the name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And I, I'll tell you some more later, but there was a whole deliverance process. But guess what? Deliverance came. And the reason why they called me, they said there's deliverance in the name of your church. So I'm calling you to see if you can help. But guess what? I can help because I know the king. You thought when it told you to ring the king, you thought it was talking about pizza king. But baby, you're going to come a time where you're going to ring king Jesus. I got Jesus on the line. Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. Call him up. Tell him what you want. It's some stuff in 2024 I want. I don't want to cry forever. I don't want to be broke forever. I don't want to be sick forever. So king, come in. King, show up. King, do what you got to do. It's your thing. Ow. Do what you want to do because you're the king of glory. Lift up your heads, all ye gates, and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? He's a Lord strong and mighty. He's a Lord mighty in battle. I lift up my head because I know the king. The king is on my side. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Nissi. He's Jehovah McKinnish. And if you don't know any of that, just say J-E-S-U-S. He's Mary's baby. He's the wheel in the middle of the wheel. He's a bright and morning star. He is my friend. He's my elder brother. He hung, bled, and died for me. Thank God for Christmas, but thank God for the king. Thank God for Christmas, but thank God for the king. Give the Lord a praise. King has come. The king has come. The king has come. Uh, just a few more. Just a few more. This ought to help us. I won't, I won't give you too much redress of this. Go ahead and put that verse up. 127. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of Oh, that's the hope of glory. Put up point number seven in our last point. The best gift is when the king that has come gets in. That's the best gift. I don't care what you open up tomorrow. I don't care what you gave tomorrow. The best gift is when the king that come gets a chance to get in. So having said that, Let's go ahead and finish the story. Put it up. I'll, I'll read these on from here on out. Except for the very last one, Mother Mitchell, I'll have you read the very last one. Here it goes like this. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. I told you that you were the manger, but I didn't tell you what the clothes were, the swaddling clothes were. The swaddling clothes were God's love. He was wrapped in God's love. And that's why when he's laid in your manger, his love covers a multitude of sins. He was wrapped in the grace of God. That way when he's laid in your manger, the Bible says even though sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So it's a reason to be happy. Let's go to the next verse. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly, they appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, and this is what they were saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. This was the greatest worship service that had ever been. The angels began to praise and say, listen, glory to God in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore him. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. It was time for a celebration. But I want to point out something. Let's, let's go back to that verse. Point it out and then we're, then, no, no, we're going to go back. The last part says this. Men with whom he is pleased. Wait a second. Jacked up man. God was pleased to put his son in jacked up man. Knowing that in order for his son to get in jacked up man, his son was going to have to die. And the son knew if he went, he was going to have to die. But it pleased him. Here's the final verse. This is where we're close from. I want you to read this up. It's in red because it's Jesus' words. Read it. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Not only did he want to give you the kingdom, he wanted to give you the kingdom. And so the king left so that we can function in the kingdom. So the king has come to get in, but he died to leave you the kingdom. And it is his good pleasure. Some of y'all mamas, y'all run yourself raggedy trying to provide for Christmas because it gives you pleasure to see your kids happy on Christmas morning. But it brings God great pleasure when you walk in the kingdom of God. And every demon and devil in hell has to bow and fold because you are the possessors of the kingdom. Come on, say with me. The king has come. Stand to your feet. Say it again. The king has come. What's the middle letters in king? I-N-N. The king has come in me. And since the king has come in me, the kingdom is available to us all. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious heavenly father, we thank you. Thank you for being the king. The king of kings and the lord of lords. 
God, if it wasn't for your kingship, we would have folded this year. We would have folded like a deck of cards. But somehow you've kept us and you've got more for us to do. And God, let us let you in more and be more and do more. We may be little, but we are great. And every lying demon that says we're not is about to find out the greatness that lives in us because the king has come and he's come in us. Father, does anybody understand my voice that doesn't know you in the pardon of their sin? I pray that they would say these words. King Jesus, your father sent you in the manger and sent you to the cross so you can come into my manger and resurrect my life. And when you got up out of the ground, I got up with you. So I receive you in from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put this up real quick. I want to say this to everybody. Merry Christmas to you. I love you. I appreciate you. God bless you. And have a great and marvelous week.